the Action Network podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I am your host, Chris Raybon of the Action Network. This is your super wild card weekend betting preview. We're going to talk our favorite sides, totals, money line, underdogs, and of course, crack open our six pack of against the spread bets with the help of my co-host, Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky Stuck. What's going on, brother? Fun week 18. I think we ended up on the wrong side of variance in a couple games. Ravens was kind of brutal. They had two fumbles, <laughs> recovered both fumbles and then hit a long bomb and then Ravens can't get in into the end zone late. And then the, the Panthers, I mean, God, I'm just so happy I don't have to bet the Panthers again. A touchback on a clear touchdown and they have, they score another touchdown to cover, but it gets called back to illegal formation and they can't cover uh, even though they only allowed nine points. That'll happen. I'm excited for the playoffs. Who cares what happened last week or in the regular season? It was a good season for us, but Last season was last season, I think, as no one ever has said, but I'm saying it now. Excited to get into Wild Card Weekend. After we break these games down, only seven more football games to break down. So uh, excited to get into these. Excited to enjoy the weekend. I'll be with you and uh, hopefully some of you guys who are listening or watching on YouTube, if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, will be in Hoboken Saturday and Sunday. Free drinks. Sweat all of our bets together. Uh, drinks are free. Uh, you just got to... RSVP link will be in the uh, episode description. Yeah, man, I'm excited that it was a it was a movie last year when we did it, and uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, doing it again. Again, that's the Shepherd and the Knucklehead in Hoboken, New Jersey. Uh, for anybody that's interested, again, uh, all of the information will be in the episode description. But do make sure you RSVP because these things do fill up. That's the one thing um, you know we can only fit as many people as um, they allow us to. So please RSVP. It'll be Stuck, me, Kerner, Simon Hunter, Millman, Nick Giffen, all, all your favorite uh, action experts. So if you ever wanted uh, to uh, give us some shit about uh, any bet you tailed us on that didn't hit, you could do that too. Uh, looking forward to seeing y'all. And uh, again, appreciate y'all for, for listening and yeah, should be exciting. Your, uh, favorite action personalities and uh, Debundo will also be there. <laughs> nah, shout out to Debundo. Let's get into our six-pack, because we got no Thursday night football, which means straight six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. We're opening it up to any type of bet, you know, totals, props, whatever. Uh, the only rule is we have to have at least one side each. So uh, that'll be our six pack stuck. You're up 69, 63. We'll do same two, two for our first two picks, one point for the third and uh, a bonus point. If we sweep uh, all three, you went first last week. So I'm up first this week and I'll start it off with the first pick of 
the super wild card weekend six pack going with the Green Bay Packers plus seven and a half at the Dallas Cowboys. The key for me in this one is anytime you face Dallas in Dallas, you know you need to score if if you're going to back a team to cover uh, against the Cowboys in Dallas. Well, Green Bay, sixth in offensive DVOA on the year. Dallas ninth, by the way. So Green Bay has overtaken Dallas. Uh, and then in weighted DVOA, which just weights recent games more heavily, discounts uh, games earlier in the season, Green Bay is top three in offense. Dallas is eight. So is Green Bay offense playing well? And that's mostly to do with Jordan Love, who, you know, kind of took the cobwebs out over the first two months of the season. He was sitting for the better part of three years outside a couple of spot starts. But his numbers since November have been borderline elite. First seven games in September, October, 58% completion rate. Uh, Since then, 69%. 213 yards per game and 6.4 yards in attempt over the first two months, 267 and 7.7 yards in attempt uh, over the last two months, 2.1 touchdowns per game, just 0.3 picks. So a 21 to three touchdown and interception ratio since November that spans 10 games. His sack rate has gone down as well. And that's despite missing Christian Watson for five games, Musgrave, uh, the top tight end for six games, Aaron Jones for three games, Wicks for two games and parts of others, Jaden Reed for a game and parts of others, Uh, even Dobbs left last game. So uh, Love has been doing all this with a rotating cast of receivers. The O-line is held up, uh, tied for seventh in pass block efficiency since week nine per PFF. And both tackles, Rasheed Walker and Zach Tom, Great out in the top 25 among 83 qualifiers in terms of pass blocking. And, you know, so you love has got protection. And this Dallas pass rush, it's been good, but not dominant, at least by the numbers. You know, they are eighth in sack rate, 13th in sacks per game, and 16th in pressure rate. So um, Dallas, you know, obviously they're going to be able to get pressure, but, um, you know, this Green Bay O-line should be able to hold up. And Jordan Love also has done well against this kind of scheme. We all know Dallas plays the most man coverage in the league. They got Deron Bland and Gilmore on the outside, but loves passer rating 13 points better against man coverage than against zone coverage this year. And, you know, obviously Dallas has been a juggernaut for the most part at home, but you just got to score to keep up with them. And I don't think Green Bay is going to have too much of a problem with that. They've done this all year going on the road. They're third in the league in points per game on the road, just over 25. And if you're looking for a trend, wild card or division around uh, single digit road dogs on Sundays, 46, 16 and one, 74% against the spread since 2003, covering by 4.4 points per game on average. Uh, I think Green Bay can hang here. I think this is too many points. I think this line should be, Five and a half, six, you know, just that maybe a hair inside of six, but you could round it to six. So uh, love getting the seven and a half with Green Bay. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this would have been my first pick, but you took it. The side that I like the most by far this weekend. I mean, love who ended up finishing top five EPA among all quarterbacks 
among 33 quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks since week 11. He's second EPA plus completion percentage over expectation, only behind Purdy. Same time frame since week 11. 18 touchdowns, one interception, 70% completion percentage, 7.7 yards per attempt with a ridiculous 0.26 EPA per pass play. Unbelievable. Uh, Prescott's been right behind him, but you said it. This Dallas team, look, I've only faded them since that. You know, I, I said, I'm, I don't want to get in front of this Dallas train ever since I saw what they did coming out of the bye. The only time I faded them was against the Bills. Luckily, that worked out. I'm fading them here. I took the seven and a half as well. I think this, this line should be closer to six. And the Packers offense, yeah, they can keep up. They're playing just too well right now for me not to take this. I also could see McCarthy making a boneheaded clock management or just in-game decision to cost Dallas points. And you mentioned it. This Dallas team, look, Prescott's been really good as a favorite in this range. But usually it's against inferior teams. And once they get a lead, they can take advantage of bad offensive lines. That's not the case here. Green Bay's offense right now is humming. Their offensive line can hold up against this Dallas pass rush. And then you'll hear the narrative. Well, it's not necessarily a narrative. It's a fact. But that Dallas has been so dominant at home. They're averaging 37 points per game. They haven't lost. But here's what they beat. The Patriots, the Jets, the Giants, the Commanders, the free-falling Eagles, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Lions. And by the way, the Lions should have won. And the Seahawks had the ball with a chance to win late in that game. Dallas is going to get its points, but like you said, I think Green Bay can keep up. It's not the worst matchup for the Green Bay defense, but I don't think they're going to get too many stops. And Green Bay on the road this year, yes, they're only four and five. All five losses by four points or less. Dallas, all the pressure here. Green Bay can play, play loose. There is a stat here that I'll mention a trend of inexperienced quarterbacks making their first start. And it's bad. And if you go back, quarterbacks making their first playoff start, just 17, 35, and one against the spread against quarterbacks who have playoff experience. So that applies this weekend to Stroud, Love, Rudolph, and Tua. I think it does apply to Rudolph, very inexperienced. But I don't think that's necessarily the case with Love, who's playing so well. And by the way, also Stroud, these guys played in, they, they've been, they played in playoff games the past two weeks. Stroud went on the road last week, and that was a playoff game. He had to win. Win and in, or you're out. Love the past couple weeks been playing in playoff games. I love the Packers here. Wouldn't be shocked if they pulled off the outright upset, but I think Dallas probably finds a way to pull it out by, you know, three to six. You know, with that offense playing the way it is, you know, weighted overall DVOA, Dallas top five team, obviously. That's why they're weighing, you know, over a touchdown. But Green Bay now up to 12. So that shows you how much that offense is kind of impacting the overall team. And that's that's really what you need. So it's, you know, it's it's number four versus number 12, which you know, the line's implying that it's a much bigger mismatch than that. All right, for How my first pick and the second overall of the Wild Card Weekend six-pack, uh, let's go prop Joe status. I'm going to go give my prop here. I rarely get the bet props unless it's the – I really do unless it's the playoffs. I'm going with Cade Otten Monday night. Cade Otten over 21.5 receiving yards. That's the official pick for the six-pack. But I split up my bet in three because I'm going to explain all three. Over 21 and a half receiving yards is the one I like the most, but I also played over two and a half catches and longest catch over 11 and a half yards. So I'll, I'll explain all three here. Number one, the Eagles cannot defend tight ends 
to save their lives. Uh, on the season, they allowed 4.8 catches on average and about 50 yards to tight ends per game. That includes the Dolphins game. Dolphins don't use tight ends, and they had no yards in that game. But since week eight, you know, they've had injuries on the back end. Matt Patricia took over. The defense is lost. Everyone's out of assignment. There's injuries. They're 31st in EPA per play on defense since week nine. But since week eight, the Eagles have allowed opposing tight ends to average 5.8 receptions for 58 yards. Also, with the big plays, and Otten, who has get over 11 and a half longest reception, and Otten, the Eagles, for what it's worth, have allowed 22 completions on the season in 17 games of at least 12 yards to opposing tight ends. Over the past six games, that number, nine, eight of those are over 20. There's a good chance he goes over his reception yards and over his longest reception with just one catch. And, you know, he's, look, Kate Otten is not great by any stretch, but Kate Otten has 13 catches on the season of at least 12 yards. So in 17 games, he has 13 catches of at least 12 yards. And he's he has 50 targets over his last 11 games. There's no real other tight end. He's going to be on the field most of the game. And here's why I think he'll get, you know, and look, Philly can't defend tight ends, but here's why I think he potentially might even get more looks and why Philly's production is going down against tight ends. Not only are there injuries, Reed Blankenship, his production's fallen off a cliff. But the Eagles' offense right now is a mess, right? Hurts might be banged up. A.J. Brown is banged up. They can't figure out how defenses have adjusted to them. The play calling is a mess. So what does that mean? Less efficient offense means more snaps for the opposition. And, you know, in the past, you go back to that Rams game, for example. The Rams, they don't have the ball the entire game because the Eagles can just keep it and their offense is humming. But not only that, when the Bucs do have the ball, Baker's banged up. This offensive line might not be able to hold, hold up against the pass rush. And Tampa's a bottom five rushing offense, might not be able to run in this game. So I don't think they're going to have much success in the ground. So it's going to lead to a lot of passing downs and potentially, it might even throw in some weather, Mayfield having to get rid of the ball quick. So with all the focus on Godwin and Evans, I think Otten can really take advantage uh, I think this number is too low. So I'm going over 21 and a half receiving yards. I also played some over two and a half catches. Longest catch over 11 and a half yards, which you could find out there. Curious to get your thoughts on this one because you would know way better than me. But that's what I dug into and found. Yeah, so it, I actually uh, shouted out Otten as, um, you know, the tight end that I'm high on and one of the best uh, DFS values, because I agree. I think his number at 21 and a half, you know, that's pretty low considering he's like you said, on the field, almost every snap, he's averaging a route participation rate of 93% over his last six games. And that's, you know, for the season, he's right around 90%. So he's, he's missing maybe one or two plays or blocking on maybe one or two plays, I should say. He's gone for 27 or more, seven of his last 12 games. So, like, there, everything kind of points to being, like, this guy who's, you know, no one's really going to pay attention to him. No, it's, he's not sexy. He's not a big play guy. But, like you said, you know, you, as Matt Patricia, he is from the Belichick school, probably going to sell out a little more than 
even most defenses do to try to take away Mike Evans. Also, like you said, Baker's going to have to get the ball out quick. So, yeah, I think Otten, I have him at 27 yards. So I think the, 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 the one you're playing for the contest is probably the uh, the best value. I have him, I have him at 2.8 catches. So that's like slight lean to the, you know, to the, to the over two and a half, but I think there's more value on the on the yardage. So uh, I like this one. And I was actually curious before we move on, just your general thoughts on this Eagle team. I mean, what do you think the chances are the Eagles just like don't have A.J. Brown, don't have Devontae Smith, banged up hurts, bad de- Like, what do you think the Eagles just – chances are the Eagles just face plant here? The Bucks aren't good. I would love no. to fade the Eagles. Yeah, they're a mess on both sides of the ball. Just talked about their defense, their offense too. Has I mean AJ Brown? The big plays aren't there. Hurts has declined. They can't figure out how to pick up a blitz. But you know th- this team went to the Super Bowl last year. This is a chance to like hit the reset button going into the postseason. And we saw the same exact situation last season. You never want to overreact to the NFL. The Cowboys were in the Eagles' shoes. They had to win and then hope the Eagles lost. But they knew that the Eagles were probably going to win. And they went up to Washington, laid an egg, lost 26-6. to Dak had his worst game ever. Well, what happened the next week because of that? Dallas had to go to Tampa. Monday night, 4-5 game. And Dak looked like prime Joe Montana and had the best, one of the best playoff performances of all time. And everyone said Dallas stinks, and then Dallas rolled in that game. So I think Philly will rally here. I think that they're like, this is their ceiling though. Winning this game is more about just the bucks, but I think Sirianni will, will, will play the us against the world card and it could get them by this week, but I think you'll get a decent effort from them. Most likely they're going to San Fran and then the party's over. But I will say if they do lay an egg, Sirianni might be out the door. I think you're going to get effort. I still think the bucks can win this game, especially given the injuries, which is we'll talk about, I guess we're talking about it now, but we'll talk about our money on dogs later, and I'll be going with Tampa there. All right, let's go to my second and the third overall pick of the Super Wild Card Weekend six pack, going with the Miami Dolphins plus four at the Kansas City Chiefs, and I just think the market is overreacting to you know Miami and the. You know, can't we can't beat good teams and you know they've got a couple injuries on defense i I still think this is too many points yeah i mean they got a lot but all right so and i'll talk about that but i i just think this is too many points um even with everything going on with miami because first of all now miami outgained kansas city in that first meeting uh 292 to 267 lost on a fluky Tyreek Hill, fumble six, and whatnot. Now, they've lost, you know, Chubb and Phillips, their top pass rushers since then, which, you know, is obviously a concern. But last week, without both of them, they were able to pressure Josh Allen on 20 of 44 dropbacks, or 44%, which is a pretty high number. They still held Buffalo to 14 points, you know, on offense, one of – Buffalo's touchdowns came on a Deontay Hardy 96-yard punt return, which not very sustainable. And the way this team matches up with the Chiefs, I still think they have enough on defense because 
You still have Ramsey, you still have Holland in the back end. And this Chiefs team, you know, I mean they're what banged are, up too, though. Yeah. That's scary. I mean, they should they they look like they're they're going. Like I don't, I don't like they've I mean, yeah, they're on the injury report, but I think those guys are are straight. But my thing with the Chiefs is like everyone wants to talk about how banged up the Dolphins are, which fine, it's true, but let's not act like everything has been a and hasn't been a struggle for this Chiefs team offensively for the better part of you know the second half of the season, if not longer. What happens when you get to the playoffs? Teams are going to play more man coverage, especially if you have weakness at receiver. Well, the Chiefs have two dudes, Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey. Miami, in that first meeting, held Rasheed Rice to a season-low 17 yards on two catches. They just, put, they just put Ramsey on Rice, take him out. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. then Kelsey, they held Kelsey to a season-low 14 yards. Yeah, they bracketed, bracketed right. Over. So, so you're taking those two guys away. You showed you can still get pressure last week without your top pass rushers. You showed that you could still, you know, be competitive against a, a high-powered offense uh, in Buffalo on a road last week. And Patrick Mahomes averages a full adjusted net yard per attempt at less against man coverage than zone for this exact reason after Kelsey and Rice, it's, you know, it's Justin Watson's like their best receiver against man coverage. That's not going to cut it. And for all the defense, for all your losing on defense for Miami, you didn't have a chan in that first matchup. And this is going to be a game that it's going to be forecast in the single digit temps, double digit mile per hour wins. A-chan's averaging 7.7 yards per touch, leads all running backs, scoring on 8.5% of his touches, leads all running backs. And this Chiefs defense, 27th in DVOA against the run, even though they've been good, you know, probably the best defense of the Mahomes era, 27th in DVOA against the run, 21st in DVOA on passes to running backs. So just having A-chan, regardless if Mostert goes, and he did practice Tuesday, uh, and so did Jay Mahomes. Yeah, he should be back. Yeah, and so and Waddle practice Tuesday as well. So um they, you could have a full deck plus HN who you didn't have last game, but um, you know, the 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 Dolphins are still the better run defense of the two. HN is unlike any other guy player in this league in terms of what he can do explosively right now from the running back position. Uh, you know, his 7.7 yards per touch, that's nearly two yards per touch more than Christian McCaffrey. So just to put it in perspective. Now, obviously, you expect them to regress, but that just shows you what a big weapon they were missing. So, I just don't. When I look at this matchup, like I, if if all things being equal, like a, a healthy Miami, uh, I would have power rated uh, about a point and a half above Kansas City with all the injuries and everything that's going on, and Kansas City being at home on long rest uh, or with the rest advantage because uh, you know stars didn't most of the stars didn't play last week. Uh, I still make this around like just inside of a field goal. So I, I just think this four, this line of four is too many points. I think Miami's a live dog in this spot. Uh, I just, this Kansas city offense, like if they have to score, like Miami's still explosive. You still got Tyreek. You're going to have HN. If Kansas city has to, to score more than, you know, 21 and they're averaging 21.8, the lowest of the Mahomes era, they're 15th in the league. If they have to score more than, like 21, all bets are off, period. So 
I like Miami here. And trend-wise, wild card road dogs by a touchdown or less. 30 and 18, 63% against the spread over the last two decades, covering by just under two points per game. So give me Miami plus four. I like it now that this has gone way up. But why, I like the Chiefs at the end of the opener, minus one and a half. Kudos to anyone who got that. I did not. But yeah, this has gone too far now. It's even with all of the injuries. And yeah, with Mostert and A-Chain, it's, I think they're going to come out, run heavy game plan. You can run on the Chiefs take some shots off of play action. I do worry a little bit about, you know, Miami and cold weather, but you're going to see a lot. They're what, 0-10 straight up since 2017, below 40 degrees. It's a warm weather team. But they went up to Buffalo in the playoffs last year when it was cold. McDaniel, remember, he was wearing the shirt that said, I'm not cold. (laughs) And they had Skylar Thompson. They lost 34-31 to the Bills. So they were – in that game. So, I, I mean, but I worried Chiefs obviously more familiar with the conditions. They obviously got the rest last week while Miami got more injuries and he lost Van Ginkle. Good. We'll see like the whole secondary and Howard's still going to be out. Howard is an over overrated loss. Though. Yeah. It might be an addition by subtraction. Like him and least. Apple are equal. Uh, yeah. Howard is washed. So as long as you got Ramsey, because I agree, you can take Ramsey, put him on rice, bracket Kelsey, or you can be like Kelsey's washed and just, and just have you could have Ramsey one on one with Kelsey, but I think they'll probably just take away Rice, bracket Kelsey again. Now they were able to generate pressure last week because they blitzed a lot, which especially in the second half, once they started losing guys, which Fangio usually doesn't do, but he didn't have any edge guys left. Like there's two things I'm really interested to see in this game. But one, will Fangio sit back and say, "We don't trust your receivers. We're going to take away Rice. We're going to take away Kelsey. You know, try to move it down the field." methodically, which the Chiefs have not been able to do efficiently this season? Or is he going to try to blitz to generate pressure? You know, you don't really want to blitz Mahomes. I, But I don't know if they'll be able to generate pressure without that. They are defensive edge rushers for this game. Man, if this is 2017, I mean, they signed Bruce Irvin. <laughs> right. Justin Houston. Justin Houston. At least guys, these guys, Irvin, who, uh, Reed, Malik Reed. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But all these guys that did sign have some history in Fangio's system, which is good. So they can come in and, you know, maybe give 10 10 or so, 10, 15 snaps. I am interested to see, does Kansas City, because the depth on Miami's defensive line is so bad. Now, they try to address it. They're going to bring in, like, you know, how old is Bruce Irvin? like 37. Does, Does Kansas City go hurry up and try to wear out the thin Miami defensive front. I don't know. It's a possibility. Keeps me off the under because the way I see, I see Miami going with a really run heavy game plan. The Kansas city offense is just stuck in the mud, freezing conditions, outdoors, outdoor wildcard unders have been a cash cow in the past, but because I think Kansas city could potentially go hurry up here and then you could get some Miami explosives. I'm staying away from the total. All right. For my second pick in the fourth overall, of the wild card weekend six pack. I'm going with the Houston Texans, Cleveland Browns over 44 and a half. I mentioned wild card weekend outdoor unders, which have gone 51 and 35, close to 60% over the past 20 years. Indoors, overs 11 and 8. Fast track here. For what it's worth, the Browns on the road this year, 8 0 to the over by 15 points per game. They were also the number one uh, most profitable team total over team in the NFL. But here's why I like this over. So 
I don't. Th- I think that it should be over forty-five at the minimum. The Browns now with Joe Flacco, they've gone from a bottom five pass explosive offense to a top five. They're now playing fast and just chuck it all over. I mean, this is an explosive passing offense with Flacco. They're going up against the Texans defense that can stop the run, can't stop the pass. Except last week. Last week they could not stop the run for I don't know what the fuck that was. Yeah, I don't know what was going on last week. But their, their pass defense numbers are horrific. And Stefanski's smart. He's just throwing it all over anyway. I expect that to continue. So I expect Cleveland pass-heavy script. There's going to be some explosive passing plays. I And look, this Houston defense, even their pass defense numbers are bad. And here's, here's who they faced. They faced one top 10 EPA offense all year. That was Baltimore in week one. That's it. And that was a new game, first game of a new scheme. They still lost, I think, 25 to 8. The, they've only faced two others in the top 13. Tampa, right, the explosive Bucks, which is number 12. Tampa put up 37 in Houston. And the Bengals, who scored 27. That's it. Here are the other offenses that they faced. The Titans twice, the Jags twice, the Colts twice, the Steelers, Falcons, Jets, Broncos, Cardinals, Panthers, Saints, and Browns, who are, you know, bottom tier EPA offense, but not with since Flacco's taken over. And the Browns with Flacco put up 36 in the stadium a few weeks ago. The Browns are going to score in this game. On the other side of the ball, the Browns defense, number one, it's not healthy. Maybe they'll get dealt with back, but they're not healthy at safety. They lost Walker. They lost some defensive line pieces, and it's not the same unit away from home. This is a team that's given up 30 points per game on the road on average. They've given up 22 or more in every game, including against Houston, who had Case Keenum at quarterback, and they still got to 22. Uh, This Browns defense is not the same on the road. Stroud, I think, will hit some explosive pass money. He's going to throw downfield. This is an aggressive Browns defense. I think he's going to have opportunities to hit some big plays. So I think we're going to get some explosive passing plays. I am curious to see what Houston does to slow down Cooper. So I would imagine there's probably value on Cooper under. I don't know. I haven't looked at, even looked at the numbers. But Cooper went for 265. So do they uh, do they shadow him with Stingley, I'm guessing, and put and then say someone else beat us? Najoku probably has a huge game, I would imagine. Um, maybe more, uh, has a couple explosives, but Flacco is more than happy to spread it around. Um, but I'm curious just to see what Houston does. Like, do they overreact to what Cooper does? And that opens up some other things. Um, but I think that, uh, both, both offenses should have some explosive passing plays, which is what you want for an over fast track here would normally be concerned about Stroud, like being inexperienced first playoff start, but it's at home. And like I said, he had a basically a road playoff start last year, and he's just head and shoulders above rookie quarterbacks that normally are in this situation uh, that fail and have horrific stats. Flacco obviously has plenty of experience. So, yeah, I think that we're going to get a ninth straight Browns road over. Give me over 44 and a half. I struggle just with this matchup in general. Um, I'm kind of going back and forth because – like at first glance, the total does look low. Uh, but then I'm like, okay, Flacco, 
he's been like Houston is like predominantly zone team. Like he has been like significantly worse against zone coverage, like a 74 rating and 4.8 adjusted net yards and attempt against zone uh, 95 rating 7.4 against man. But I also, but then like you said, what, like if they're going to, put Stingley on Cooper. Like what the hell were they doing to Cooper last matchup? Like Stingley did cover him, I think on five of his targets. Now he had what, like 15 targets. Stingley covered him on five of them, gave up a touchdown, 43 catches, 43 yards. Uh, So like that, you know, that. They're also missing Ward and Thomas now too. We're both. Yeah. Yeah. They should get, um, we'll see about Greener. Like they need some, they need more pass rush. Greener and Anderson aren't fully healthy. Yeah. So that doesn't help. They're not getting the same edge rush. Um, I think they'll both probably play, but I don't think that they'll be at 100%, um, which has also hurt their past defense numbers. But it is just amazing that this they faced one top 11 EPA offense all season. Like just yeah. stunned. You know, the Texans, obviously, you know, you're field, under a field goal dog, obviously a live dog at home in the playoffs. But I do worry in this matchup more than the last one about the health of Stroud's non-Nico Collins receivers because, like, Noah Brown seems like he's still banged up. Woods, I mean, he's – you really have – like, Woods has been a non-factor even when he's healthy. Mechie, non-factor. Hutchinson, non-factor. Bottom line, I could see it going either way. But, um, I mean, you got Joe Flacco chucking it deep all day good for probably a turnover and you got one of the best quarterbacks in the game on the other side. So I uh, can't say I hate it, but yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of undecided where I'm, what I'm doing with this one. All right. For my third pick and the fifth overall of the super wild card weekend six pack, I'm going with Jalen Warren under nine and a half carries. This will be my prop for the show. And I love when you have like kind of two extreme matchups beating because I think that makes it harder for the market to kind of properly adjust. And usually that's usually where you find some value. So on one hand, you got this new look bills offense. It's a lot more run heavy. They're running on 52% of their plays under Brady compared to 41% under Dorsey. So what that's done is their opponent average time of possession for Buffalo, their opponents went from averaging just over 30 minutes uh, of time of possession to just under 26, you know, with Brady. And they're averaging only 56 plays and 16 backfield carries per game since uh, Dorsey was fired. So that is in stark contrast to Jalen Warren and the Steelers, who since they fired their offensive coordinator, uh, they've been averaging, uh, you know, nearly 30 backfield carries per game uh, and Jalen Warren's averaging 9.9 carries since they fired uh, Canada, but he's been under 10 in four of the last seven. And that's with the Steelers holding the ball for an average of 32 and a half minutes running 62 and a half plays and handing the ball off 28 times per game. So you got the Steelers handing off 28 times per game holding the ball for 32 and a half minutes. You got Buffalo allowing only 16 handoffs per game and limiting opponents to 20 less than 26 minutes of time of possession. So essentially 
what I'm trying to say is the Steelers, Warren's barely, like this is kind of Warren's median or a little under it, even with the circumstances uh, of the last few games before you even factor in this matchup, before you factor in the fact that they're 10-point underdogs. And also Najee Harris, his emergence has kind of relegated Warren to more of the his initial role this season, which was kind of a change of pace and, you know, heavy on the pass snaps. Last three yeah. games, Najee, 72 carries, 312 yards, four tutties. That has relegated Warren to just 29% of the backfield carries, but 74% of the pass snaps. So it's, you just have all these factors that kind of point to if Pittsburgh does hang close and, you know, kind of surprises us, Najee is going to be the main beneficiary at this point because you can't, you know, he's the hot hand. He's kind of forced the coach's hand. If the opposite rings true and, you know, Pittsburgh doesn't have many possessions, is it at a deficit? Warren will get more snaps, but they'll likely be passes. So I like this one from a number of angles. And, you know, you know, with Pittsburgh being a 10-point dog, it's worth noting that Warren – averaging 9.8 carries per game in wins, 7.3 in losses. And that's generally what you expect of, a, you know, a non-featured running back, you know, two and a half carries per game less in losses. I think Buffalo is should be able to take care of business here. The last time they played Pittsburgh, uh, it was a 38-3 to win for Buffalo. Uh, I believe it was in sometime early 2022. So uh, like this Warren under nine and a half, even juiced up, I would prefer it. You know, you might see an eight and a half at plus money. Uh, that's, you know, there's a little bit of value there if you can get it at better than even money. But uh, at under nine and a half, uh, this should hit about two thirds of the time. So, you you know, the books probably won't juice it to even pass like minus 180 before dropping. But um, I wouldn't hesitate to play under nine and a half at any juice. Eight and a half, you'd have to be getting better than even money. But uh, Jalen Warren under nine and a half carries at the Buffalo Bills. Like it. I wanted to lay it with Buffalo uh, if you can get under 10 or under 10 pops, but I cannot bet it now. There's so much weather uncertainty and the lake effect and how bad are the winds going to be? There could also be snow. We might have put up a snowber. People, uh, I should remind everyone what snowbers are. Snowber, here are the qualifications. There has to be the perfect amount snow on the ground can't be too much if it's like a foot you can't move but it has to be like a slippery surface you can't have too much wind so wind will kill any you know over and then the market comes down because of the weather right before kick and then that's when you bet the over but you can't have any wind so like it's just you need the right conditions and then the market to come down and then you even get a better number i don't think we'll have a snow here because you could have the other night at buffalo there was 60 to 70 mile an hour wind gusts with mm. the lake effect it's so hard to predict five days out we're recording this on Wednesday. So I got to see how bad these wins are going to be. Because do you remember the game against the Patriots when the Patriots just threw it one yeah. time yeah. Monday night? Like you could see Josh Allen could still make some throws, but it becomes extremely difficult to even throw the ball, to kick the ball when the winds get to that level. So I need to wait on clear weather report. If it gets real bad, it's definitely edge to the Steelers. It just creates way more variance, but they will miss Watt bad. I mean, he could change a game with a play and, their defensive numbers with and without them are bad. Got to wait on the weather there for that one. For my third pick in the sixth overall of the wild card weekend six pack, I'm going with the Detroit Lions minus three. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. 
I didn't think I'd be going here, but I dug into this game. And then once this line came back down to three, I think Lions fans, I think you're winning on Sunday night. Here are the reasons. Number one, you have to pressure Matt Stafford to throw him off. You have to stop their run game in Kyron Williams. Lions can stop the run. Lions can generate pressure. Number one in the NFL in pressure rate, hurry rate, quarterback knockdown rate. Now, they didn't translate to a lot of sacks, but that's not really predictive. They can pressure the quarterback. They can stop the run. Now, are they going to be able to stop and cover Nakua and Cup? Of course not. Their corners are not good enough, but they also have McNeil back, who helps a ton all across the board. But they got C.J. Garner-Johnson back. The Rams are going to hit their plays. But Stafford, 43% completion percentage under pressure. I think they're going to pressure him. The crowd is going to be an electric factory. It's going to mess with the snap count. You're going to probably get a couple extra calls here. And on the other side of the ball, the Lions have just as big of an advantage, I think more so than the Rams, because the Rams can't get pressure. They can block Donald. And I don't see how this Rams defense is going to get many stops. And then the wild card, special teams. The Rams special teams are going to be the reason that they exit the playoffs. I've said it all season. They will give away something on the road in their special, their impoverished special teams. They're going to miss two kicks. They're probably going to give up a, a big return, get a punt block. Something will happen, which you cannot overcome on the road. But I think Lions can stop. Kyron Williams can pressure Stafford enough to get enough stops and which should be a higher scoring game. And I don't see how the Rams generate many stops because they don't get pressure. Goff's indoors. And with their scheme that they play, Goff should be able to pick them apart, Laporta or not. They also should be able to run the ball on the Rams. This Rams team, I think, is overrated. Everyone's calling them a sleeper to win the Super Bowl. I do not see it. They over overachieved this year. Credit to McVay. Credit to Stafford. Nakua Cup. Amazing to watch that offense when it's humming. But let's remove the game where everyone sat their starters at the end. Other than that, they went one in six against playoff teams this year. The one win was against the Browns at home, who had a ton of injuries. You know, Ward, Garrett, all were hurt. And Flacco's, I think, first start. That's it. I mean, they were blown out by a bunch of other teams. Remember, this is a team that lost to the Steelers at home. They should have lost at the Giants a couple weeks ago. Everyone's putting too much weight into that game at Baltimore. They did so much of their damage analytically against the Seahawks and Cardinals, which have just boosted their numbers astronomically. Still a bad defense. Still a horrendous special teams unit. I think the Lions, because they can protect better and the Rams don't get pressure, they'll be able to sustain more drives than the, than the Rams and special teams. Campbell, I think, will also have more positively aggressive decisions at McVay in the spot. Throw in the home crowd, get a couple calls, loud, raucous, cause some false starts too. I think the Lions win. At three, they're a play. At three and a half, they wouldn't have been. But I think the Lions get it done. Yeah, the more I dig into this one, the more – it sounds crazy to say, but I, I am a little bit worried about that Rams offense too because I kind of broke it down and I like to look at, okay, you know – it's the playoffs, which defenses may, might man up. And the Lions, I mean, do you think the Lions will be willing to play some man coverage now with their, their secondary a little bit healthier? I think so. I think they're going right? to have yeah. to. Yeah, they've been kind of in the top half of the league anyway. But 
if you look at Stafford and this receiving court uh, against man versus zone, Stafford over a, a yard per attempt better versus zone. Yeah, you, if you don't pressure Stafford and you're in zones, you're done. Yeah, but the Lions don't have to do that. They can play man. And if you look and they at get yard, pressure, they also get right. a ton of pressure. Yeah, and if you look at the – now you go to the receiving core and you say, okay, well, how is this coming about? You know, because it, it's not just a quarterback. It's because of, you know, the combination of receivers. And luckily with, with the Rams, they play the same guys almost every snap. So you kind of know what you're going to get. You're going to get Nakua Cup and Robinson, Higby, and then Williams. So against man coverage, yards per route, Puka, 2.8 against man which is elite and 2.9 against zone. So he's the, he's really the only one that is good against man. Cooper cup really struggled this year against man. 1.4 yards around against man, 2.2 against zone. Uh, Robinson 2.3 against zone, but only one yard per route against man. Higby one yard per route against man. That's, that's not good. Any, like we want to try to get to like one and a half. Uh, so one is bad, and he's he's better against zone too, as most tight ends are. I mean, th- and like you said, they'll probably give up some plays by doing it, but I just wonder if they say to hell with it and just come out in a in a man heavy scheme, live with you know a couple of explosives, and have confidence in their offense against a, a like you said a defense that doesn't get pressure to just outscore whatever you know explosives they allow by playing man. Because so yeah, I, the more I look in it, I, I do think. Uh, Detroit is the uh, the right side here. Detroit. Any thoughts on the uh, total? It's fifty one and a half. I'd lean over, but it's so high. To, like, yeah, you just need everything to go right in a playoff game where it could teams could be tight, coaches could get conservative. You also have the Campbell fourth down variants and, and the Brett Naher variants for the yeah, like for the Rams. That's that, like they're missing at least one kick. It's just do they get like a punt block or some other ridiculous yeah. to like give all the points back? I think it's about right. I was good. I wanted the over, but 51 and a half is tough. All right, that is going to do it for our super wild card weekend six pack to recap. Stuck has Cade Otten over 21 and a half receiving yards, the Browns Texans over 44 and a half. Lions minus three at home against the Rams. I have the Packers plus seven and a half at Dallas, Miami plus four at Kansas City, and Jalen Warren under nine and a half carries at Buffalo. All right. That was our wild card weekend six pack. Now it's time for our coach's pep talk. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? This week's Coach's Pet Talk comes from actor Will Ferrell, and let's dedicate it to the Kansas City Chiefs offense because it, it's been a struggle, man. This sucks, and it's horseshit, but I'm too polite to say anything because I'm a class act. This version of their offense for one more week. I, I hope it continues to be a struggle. But then we got to see I- the Dolphins by the Bills again. I mean, you got to beat them at some point, right? Like, third, third time. Well, I have a Bills future. The Bills just match up very well with the Dolphins. Um, yeah, they do. So, uh, I think I'd rather see Chiefs. I, Chiefs by a few, I, the Chiefs always, whenever they're laying over a field goal, they never cover these. What Chiefs by a field goal is, like, such a likely result in this game. Like, Dolphins are up four late. Mahomes leads a drive. Butker field. Or, you know, it's tied and Butker hits, like, a 57-yarder to win it. Yeah, after some referee shenanigans. Yeah. Chiefs by three is very likely here. 
let's uh so we're obviously not gonna do total favorite total of the week because we did that in uh well totals were eligible but i guess we have well yeah so favorite total of the week if you want to go off the six packs is stucky's browns texans over 44 and a half that's the only total in our six pack no teasers uh numbers where i think you're better off just playing them straight up if you wanted a teaser the only real option would be dallas down but the total's high so it's not ideal um and then with houston up over yeah. three and seven but not a good teaser we can i'm not playing any teasers yeah i think it's just it's better you're better off just you know kind of capping them and, and betting them one you know sink individually uh all right so that means with no teaser and no total segment, we're going to jump right into our underdog money line parlay. But first, as a reminder, the Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM, and you can use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, underdog money line parlay time. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. I've mentioned it earlier in the show. Bucks, just a lot of variance with the Eagles. Like what's going on? with their play calling, the locker room, then the injuries, like who's healthy on their offense. Uh, I show a little bit of value in the spread too. So yeah, let's roll with the Bucks. Home dogs, for what it's worth, have been very successful in the NFL playoffs historically. So I have double-digit favorites, two of them in play. For what it's worth, past 10 postseason home underdogs, 8-3-2 and two against the spread, while double-digit favorites have gone 11-4 and four against the spread. A lot of times people want to take the double-digit dog in the playoffs, but usually there's a reason why they're a double-digit underdog. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's go with the Bucks. Where are you going? I'm going to go with the Texans, plus 120. And, uh, you know, kind of slimmer, uh, similar situation. A lot of variance, a lot of ways this could play out. I kind of touched on it earlier. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there might be a time in the very near future where – we look back and say, like, we were really favoring 39-year-old ghost of Joe Flacco <laughs> over C.J. Stroud at home. So, like, I just can't let – I can't let this podcast end without uh, without fading Flacco, th- the ghost of Flacco on the road. As well as he's been playing, uh, it, it just, like, the trajectory Stroud is on – uh, it, this may look ridiculous sooner than later. So, and I mean, who knows? This, you know, Flacco had five games, you know, he put up and then he rested. This might be the top of the market for Flacco, favored on the road against like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I know it's his playoff debut, but like you said, he's not like most quarterbacks. So I think this is a perfect, uh, perfect way to kind of invest because, you know, two and a half, not really a ton of value. I think it could go, like I said, I think it could go either way, but in a coin flip game, uh, I'll take the money line dog. So, uh, had yeah. trying to go two in a row, had the, uh, giants at plus 200 come through for us last week. Finally, I, I was on like a, a, in a slump, you're still up. You still have seven to my four on the year, but 
uh, hopefully I can make it two in a row and uh, you can get back on track. Yeah, I, I think that this this is about the, probably the peak of the market on the Browns. The Browns and the Rams, I think, come into the playoffs overrated. Everyone's like, they're the sleepers. Mm-hmm. The Browns with Flacco have been much better. They're throwing it all over. But look, they got they lost to the Rams. They lost to the Broncos. And since then, they beat the beat-up Jags, who we've seen what the Jags did at the end of the year. And they beat them 31-27. Then they beat the Bears, and the Bears had chances to win that game. Remember the drop early in the first half of an 80-yard touchdown? Um, then they beat the Texans with Case Keenum. Then they beat the Jets with Trevor Simeon. And then they lost to the with their backups to Jake Browning. So, like, who have they really beat during the stretch? Nobody. Yeah, it's just, just – uh, I mean, the Texans really haven't beat nobody either, but I guess they got they got a couple – uh, who did they get? They got they got Cincinnati when Cincinnati was probably as good as they were gonna get. But yeah, it's, it's I just I mean like you said last year it was like like you gonna it's gonna you're gonna look back and regret fading Mahomes as like a less than three point uh, favorite or whatever. It's like I just look at it like Stroud underdog at home against the ghost of Flacco who's played five games. Mahomes is an underdog. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah sorry as an underdog yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, same kind of similar thing. Like, not yeah. trying to compare the two, but Stroud is like one of the few quarter. Like, I think my favorite quarterbacks to watch now, especially with Mahomes having a like shaky year, it's probably been Stroud number one and Jordan Love number two, and, and then like Gak. <laughs> like, I mean, any like, oh no, Lamar, Lamar. Sorry, I'm forgetting Lamar. Come on. Yeah, yeah, Lamar. Who, by the way, is, he's going to win that MVP, right? Yeah. Did you uh did you ever you did you get down on that or yeah 14 to yeah. 1? Woo! There we go. And you got the Bills future, right? Ravens 10 to 1 Super Bowl, and then Bills 50 to 1 Super Bowl. The best part about that is the Bills beating the Dolphins. They can't face each other until the AFC championship. Hopefully that's the matchup. And then Lamar 14 to 1 MVP. So lovely. That is a wrap for us. Thanks for listening. We'll be back here every Thursday throughout the NFL playoffs. You can hear more of myself this week with my guy, Sean Kerner, the odds maker, talking fantasy, DFS, prize picks, all that good stuff on the Fantasy Flex podcast. We also have our player projections episode uh, right here on this channel. You can hear Stuck talking college hoops over on the Big Bets on Campus pod every Monday and Friday. And Stuck is on X at Stucky2. I'm at Chris Raybon. We're at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Again, don't forget... We'll all be in Hoboken, New Jersey, Saturday and Sunday for Wild Card Weekend. More information in the episode description. Make sure you RSVP if you're interested in attending. Until next time, let's get fish money. Let's go. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.